Hello and welcome to Rusted Junk, where we'll be looking at the 1985 film Better Off Dead, um, starring John Cusack, David Ogden Steers, Kim Darby, Diane Franklin, Dan Schneider, loads of people. It's going to be a packed roll call, I can promise you. And we do have a special guest, but I'll get to that in a moment. First, here's the trailer. Does it ever feel like everyone's got more going than you do? Oops. That everyone is smart. So you're Al Myers, kid? Yes, I am. You look pretty stupid to me. Thank you. You say the best skier in town just ran off with your girlfriend? Even your younger brother does better than you do? And that nobody even cares? That broke up with me. Oh, that's nice. Well, you might be right. But remember one thing. I haven't even been to New York City. Nobody was ever better off dead. The truth is, I can out-ski you any day of the week. Oh, really? Yeah, you want to race, I'll take you on any day, sucker. Go that way, really fast. If something gets in your way, turn. All you need is guts. All right! Now turn! I'm going to race, I'm going to lose, and I'm going to die in that order. Go! And you'll never doubt yourself again. He's skiing on one ski! Better off dead. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. An abnormal look at a normal... So, that was the trailer for Better Off Dead. Very grainy. I do apologise. If you're if you're listening, it doesn't matter about the grain. If you're watching, I apologise about the grain. But it was 1985. It was the 80s. Even Predator had some grain. I remember that trailer. You know, they all, they all had a bit of grain. There was no 4K. There was no HD. Um, but anyway, there you go. Very 80s trailer. So, to regular listeners of Rusty Junk, he will need no introduction. But now we are on video as well. Um, yeah, he might need it. Last time he joined us, Joe, was, I think, Rocky Rocky Four. That's correct. Well, what That's was right. it Rocky Four? Oh, what was the other one? Uh... Uh, you've joined us for uh, the Breakfast Club, but you Breakfast came with Club. the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe is uh, does the Nerd Alert podcast on WDWNT. Um, yeah, thanks. I'm getting everything right. This is good. This oh, is thanks. That's a, always a pleasure being well, able to be on the show. It, Hi, you know, Joe. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> we talk about this film. We have talked about this film for a while now on our many, many, my many walks where I've, I've talked to Joe. And we discussed lots of films like this. And I just went, as soon as it came up to Better Off Dead, Joe, do you want to come and join us? And he's like, absolutely. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, pleasure's always mine. I am <laughs> dying. <laughs> and I mean it. More than I was. No, not more than I was with Howard the Duck. Because uh, I was genuinely, and I, let's not forget that Amanda gave Howard the Duck an above average score. Um. Yeah, so that still stands. Thanks for that, sweetheart. I shouldn't have given it a five. Well, five I gave it, wasn't it? It's a 5.5. Five and a half. Five and a half. It it should have been a four on reflection. Yeah, never mind. There we go. Never mind. You know, that's the Ed Rooney actor for you. Can't remember his name. Jeffrey Jones. There you go. It's all right. (laughs) You'll be seeing him again soon. Don't worry. Um, So, uh, guest first, then, in this case, shall we? I think. Yes. 
<laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know which one to pick on. Oh, dear. Go for can Joe. I, can I, all right, okay. That's fine. Joe, over to you. What did you all give right, it yeah, and why? Yeah, usually I, I normally go last on uh, on my podcast, but so it's kind of cool being able to go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you want me to say how I feel? Well, I'll I'll give you some background because I uh, actually I'm always <laughs> making you wait. Making you a wait little bit. School. <laughs> no, I was gonna watch it Monday night, and I started watching it, and my air conditioner started screwing up. And I was pissed off and I was like, I wasn't, I was just angry and I wasn't enjoying the movie. So I turned it off and uh, I wasn't having a good time, but then I watched it the next night and I actually enjoyed it a, a lot more. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a fun movie, but I wouldn't say it's a good movie. I feel like it's a movie full of skits basically. And they're very memorable. And again, it's, there, there's a, a lot of good comedy in it. But I, I think that it's definitely missing something that you would see like in um, 16 Candles or Ferris Bueller's Days Off, where the main character, he doesn't really interact with many people. Like if it is, it's kind of like it's almost like a drive by shooting, like his best friend played by Curtis Armstrong will come in, do something funny, and then he's gone. And um, that's where I feel that the movie could have worked a little better okay. is if um, there was more like, I know it's kind of weird. It's a comedy, but like have more character development. That's why I think it's not a, it's really not a classic over here in the United States. I don't think most people know about it, um, but it is a fun movie to watch. There's definitely a lot of really hysterical scenes. My favorite scene is when, He's on the roller skates and he pulls that girl's dress off. Uh, I always get a laugh out of that. Why one. is that, Joe? I don't know. I just think it was just so funny because it was unexpected. But now that Obviously. I expected it, it's still funny. Um, <laughs> but he's always John Cusack. He's always he's a lovable character. It's hard not to like him. Although recently in real life, now he's a miserable person. Uh, I don't think uh, he would like the character in this movie, uh, the real life John Cusack right now. Um, and there's definitely, like I said, there's a lot of fun scenes in it, a lot of memorable scenes in it. But if I had to give it a rating, I would give it, uh, it's tough. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give it a six out of 10. That's Mm -hmm. nice. Well, I was going to give it a five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean for a movie for a comedy where you just want to turn your brain off and you just want to laugh just turn it on but as far as the movie as a movie it's not a very good movie but it's it's a fun movie you know what i'm saying mm, yeah okay. wow six yeah oh, I, i'm afraid to ask amanda yes score and why okay right I was having a bit of trouble with the movie, kind of getting into it and sort of understanding what what it was about, and and then I'm <laughs> sorry, movie. but that because like the whole thing about suicide is is really not I don't think is not funny. So I was like a little bit kind of like mm, not sure I'm going to enjoy this movie. I'm not sure how you can make it fun. Um, 
So I was a bit kind of down on it before it even started. So I was having a bit of trouble kind of enjoying it. And then I think the turning point for me was, oh, God, that's either real genius, completely madcap or completely wrong. And it's the burger scene. Okay. Where the dancing burgers are in the the diner. That was the yeah. turning point. That was the turning point for me, and I was like, "Oh god, that's the scene I hate the most." Oh yeah, you know it's what? Not, yeah. I just thought it was completely madcap, and then I was just like, "Actually, I think this is quite a fun movie." Oh. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going. I know because it could have go gone a completely different way. Yeah. It could have done. You know what I'm like. Yep. Um. So. I I completely agree with what Joe said. There isn't a lot of meat to the bones in the movie. There isn't a massive storyline. You can see where it's going, like with the the French girl and stuff. But so in in one sense, it's a little bit predictable. But it's it's fun. It's it's sort of you know a good movie to watch. Um, and I'll probably watch it again. To oh. be honest. Yes. Yeah. So that's the, wow. that's the litmus test, isn't it? Really, whether I'd watch it again or not. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'm going to give it a da, 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 a seven. Oh wow! Yes. This is like Howard the Duck too. Yeah. Oh, the film <laughs> I was going to do next, I might actually do now, but I'll get to that. Right. Whoa. So J- John Cusack, I actually, you know, we've we've watched some of the movies with him. In. And um, I actually quite like him as an actor. Me too. I think I think he's, um, you know, quite genuine how he comes across. Whereas people like um, who is who, who is that one that I really don't like? Um, what's his name? Oh, his, his buddy Andrew McCarthy. No, um, the guy with ginger hair that didn't make it in Back to the Future. Eric Stoltz. Yes, don't like. Look, him. look, we've been through this. You cannot take the name of Eric Stoltz in vain. Okay, no, seriously, no. seriously. You know, I want to see that Back to the Future. It always seems like it. an effort with him. Yeah, because he's a good, but because uh, he's a good actor. Uh, Mask, some kind of wonderful. Oh, jeez, mm. what do you want? I I agree with Amanda. I'm not a fan of Eric Stoltz either. Well, oh, nice well, one, Joe. This will be quick then. <laughs> but we're not talking about Eric Stoltz. No. So it'll be okay. Yeah, we no. are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. I tell you what. Seriously, roll call. We're gonna rattle through it. But there's some there's some good bits. There were some really good bits. Are we gonna get um, your score? Yeah, you we are. need yours. Yeah, you are before we get to roll call. So, Better Off Dead again is one. I'm not gonna have. Uh, you know, I'm gonna keep thinking. We're still gonna do Jaws three. We're still gonna do all the things that are in my head. But Better Off Dead was up there, as was Summer School, as was One Crazy Summer, as was some of the ones that we've covered before. There are films that you've, you've put in, Amanda, there's films you've suggested and we've done. Um, and then, oh, what about that? And I know that when we get to season five, you've got like, you know, we've had a bit of a chat and you've got loads of things you want to put in. And that's great because you're doing it from a, you're coming from a, um, I, I remember it is really good rather than, I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever seen it. You're not coming in from that sort of thing. You want to go and revisit some of yeah, those films. Not Roadhouse again, though. No, definitely not Roadhouse. And, uh, <laughs> and they're undulating walls. And they're carp- carpentry bills. Um, but 
I think Better Off Dead sort of typifies a, a sort of 80s film for me. It has everything in it. It has the sidekick. It has the comedy. It has the, the romance. It has the, you know, the... the Wacky uh, animation. Montages. Well, no, it just has that. And and I guess I think, well, when watching this, I just thought, well, we have got one crazy summer to come. And I'm debating whether or not the next film is another Cusack film, because I'm not sure you might, you might be all Cusacked out. But One Crazy Summer, I think, is the perfect complement to this. But I think after after watching Better Off Dead, it, fi- it finally clicked. My favourite actor of the 80s was John Cusack. My favourite actor of the, you know, when you look at, I mean, Judd Nelson rocks. I mean, Judd Nelson's performance in Breakfast Club is one of my favourites, as is Michael J. Fox. But when you look back at the 80s and you look at the the wealth of films that was that were done by John Cusack and the things that he just put himself into, you know, it, it, I think it's just, I think it's extremely versatile. And I think after Better Off Dead, I went, I like this guy. As I said, Joe, I've been reading what he does, you know, <laughs> lately. Um, and he seems, you know, he's grown up. He's a different person. He's got different, you know, but different views, you know, whether, you know, palatable or, or not. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, they, they should always say you should never have heroes. Um, and that's probably for, for, for no, that, for that reason. No, you should never have them. Should so never you meet. should have them, just never no, meet them. <laughs> I'd say never have them these days, but anyway, just in case oh. you meet, just in case you meet them. Um, but it's a solid, I love this film. Um, it's, it, it has everything for me. It has the quotable, I mean, I, I, you know, every time I hear it, every time I see that car draw up at the lights, truly an awesome spectacle, <laughs> right? Um, I just have to think about that and I'm in a good mood because I just think, it's it, it's bizarre because you get the explanation of why he does it. Yes, but you don't get any more. You don't get any more than that very brief explanation. We why? don't need any more. Why? Well, it's a, it's funny. So, do you guys know who Howard Cosell is yes. over there? Yeah, yeah, I know the story of what happened to the actor. I mean, I knew who I used to see him all the time. He was on the ABC Sports and the Wide World of Sports. He was the most for- famous broadcaster uh that the united states had and the first of all it's a good impression of him and it, it's just funny because they're wearing the yellow jackets because uh, <laughs> yeah. they had that too in the, in the wide world of sports um but i i wondered if if someone over in england or europe would would get that humor because he didn't we, need we had- to. He, he's 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 obviously impersonating a sports you know sports commentator don't really need to know who it is from from my mm. point of view it was just the look and everything and the driving gloves and the you know just why <laughs> but it's it's the gift that keeps on giving because they don't they do it just enough times before it gets like old you know true it's, yeah it, it's my favorite part like i love <laughs> when that comes up oh, really <laughs> But you're right. It's just enough. I think if they would have done like one or two more times, yeah, yeah. it would have been too much. But I wouldn't mind it, too. I wouldn't mind seeing it on the uh, extra features or the special features if they had like a whole bunch of them that they never used just to see it. But you're right. Anyway. Was it was he dubbed? Because it didn't look well, like he was actually Do you know talking. what? Let's, let's, let's do that now. So the guy that plays the truly. Wait, do we, do we get your score yet? Oh, yeah, come on. What's your eight, score? Eight. An eight? Yeah, an eight. Woo-hoo. Love it. It's good. So we've got a is six, it, seven, and eight then. Is it perfect? Yeah. Well, I thought Joe would have been an eight anyway. 
it, we, don't, we won't invite him on again. It's fine. Um, I, no. I heard that last time too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and yet we still keep in touch. Um, so Yuji Okamoto is the name of the actor who's doing the speaking. What they did, um, he ended up so deliberately to do this when we get to a roll call, but he was, he was chosen as in not chosen, chosen in, uh, and I'm going to have to do it and you, you will laugh, but in Karate Kid too. Karate. Karate. Karate Kid. It's the Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Anyway, let's not go through this again. What do you say, Joe? Karate. Karate. Yeah. See, that's different again. There you go. Well, yeah. I say karate. I say karate. You say karate. Let's call the whole thing off. It just means you're both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. There's only two two wrong people here, and one of them ain't me. what? Two, both. Anyway, right. So eight. Um, but he was, he basically auditioned for the role, and studied tapes of. And I know Joe, you would have read this, so I haven't got this down. But he he did, he studied tapes of Howard Cosell, so that he could do it. Um, like a, it was supposed to be a Korean person, but he was Japanese American, but he was supposed to be impersonating a Korean person. So he learned all this. He did all of the lines. He did all of the recordings. And at the last minute, they swapped him out for uh, another voice actor. Um, and who just recorded those lines. So that's not him. But it's it's so well done. You can't tell. because You can't. I, but poor guy, I, though. He went to all that trouble of learning everything. And he's just like, what? Well, that was kind of like uh, Audrey Hepburn with My Fair Lady. I don't know if you know the, the backstory with that. She learned how to sing, and then they really didn't use her voice. They got someone else to do it. Really? What? Mm-hmm. God, I never knew that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Anyway, it's an eight. We need to get to roll call. Um, otherwise, it's been longer than Rocky Four. And that Come on, roll call. Oh, pardon me. Let's have a roll call. Roll call. So, roll call. So, John Cusack, do we need to... Do we need to do it? I mean, what's your favourite? So now, now we're here, Joe. You know, we don't need to go through it. We've done quite a few John Cusack films there. Yes, The Grifters, One Crazy Summer, The Sure Thing, which we loved, uh, 16 Candles, Gross Point Blank. What's your favourite John Cusack film? Say anything. Right, okay. Well, this is what I wanted to say, too. He wasn't that big in the United States. <gasps> really? No. He kind of, like, when you said the 80s, what we would think of what they were pushing on us was Tom Cruise, Michael J. Fox, um, I guess even to a degree, Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. But it's rare when somebody would, if you would mention John Cusack, I, I don't think mo- people would know who he was wow. in the movies. And I never had a friend or, or a girlfriend that said, Oh, I want to go see this John Cusack movie. You know, um, I don't have, I don't think I've ever seen one other than 16 Candles, which he was barely in, uh, wow. in the theaters, in the theaters. You know, I've, I've only seen them on VHS, but I, I love him, though. I mean, I think it's sad because I think that he would have been he, he is. He's a great character actor. He's he's lovable. Mm. He's, he's he relatable. You know, so he's great in the grifters. He's wonderful. I, I, you know, that might enter into season five under Cops and Robbers, perhaps. You know, there's a, maybe a little room for him in that. Um, but 
I, I, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before. Um, he played Brian Wilson in a, a film called Love and Mercy, where he played a, a Brian Wilson's life. That's that's a tough that's a tough ask because um, yeah. you know it's a tough thing to do. And I just sent him a you know I was watching it, um, and at the end of it, I just sent him a message on Twitter, just thinking this will just disappear in the ether. I said, I know how tough it would be to do that, being a huge Brian Wilson fan. I know you know knowing the story. Um, I, I said, I just commend you. Sir. I just thought it was amazing. It's brilliant. And all he sent back was, but he took the time and he went, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Oh, that's cool. I didn't I'm know like, that's yeah. awesome. I know. Look at me mi- mm. mixing with the stars. Um, you sure it wasn't someone else on his account on his behalf? I don't think he does that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think if you've looked at his Twitter <laughs> account in the last three years, I don't think anyone else is doing does it. Does he not? Him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's lucky he didn't curse at him. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's probably. Oh, this was all before all of that. This is like oh, okay. 2015, so you know. Anyway, so John Cusack, we've done. Um, hopefully, we can choose. Maybe we can do one crazy summer next because it's going to be one crazy summer and then Beetlejuice. Oh, and I'm like, yeah, one crazy summer. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, next is dad, David Ogden Steers. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in 2018. Um, but for me, he will always be uh, Charles Winchester in MASH. Um, in, so took over what from... What else has he been in? What's that? What else has he been in? He's also uh, Cogsworth uh, and in Beauty and the Beast, The Carriage Clock. Hmm. He's also the narrator uh, of Beauty and the Beast as well. So he's not just Cogsworth. Uh, he's been in Alf. Uh, his Star Trek The Next Generation is one of the main voices in Lilo and Stitch. Um, yeah, it's just in stuff. He, yeah, he's he's been in a lot of Disney. He was in Pocahontas. Okay. Um, he was in Frasier. I saw an episode recently with him in Frasier. Right. Yeah, he pops up. I mean, we we normally have a term for it. It's just like stuff. You know, they're in hard, if, if they're a 70s actor, they've been in Hardcastle McCormick and the Love Boat. If if they're a you know 90s actor, they've been in Melrose Place, something like that, you know, just popped up there again. Uh, look at me showing my age. Um, speaking of stuff, Kim Darby, um, his mum, uh, French fries. Um, <laughs> she's been in stuff, uh, but she was also in Team Wolf 2. Oh, I didn't so, know. That. The Jason Bateman one, not the Michael J. Fox one. So, yeah, Team Wolf 2. I can't remember the Team Wolf that well. No, no I don't either. That was kind of garbage. Didn't mm. he play basketball in the original yeah. one? Yeah, but I don't know what Jason Bateman did in the second one. She was uh, in, I remember she was in True Grit with John Wayne. Oh, okay. She was the little girl. Um, ah. She was good in that. Ah, nice shout. Okay. I will say that... W- one problem that I have with this movie is her. Oh, why? She well, she's, uh, she looks way too young to be married to uh, David Ogden Stiers. To me, she well, looks even younger than John Cusack. Uh, I'm sure she's not, but she looks pretty damn young. Uh, I mean, I watched did, it again. She did look a bit young. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, he but... Just didn't feel like it was it. It was a mother role. Or it was a great character, there. though. Cheers. She was just like completely kind of like either a loon, like just completely not handling situations at all. Or she was just very scatty just by nature. Um, 
Yeah, I, I actually quite liked her character. It was just like, what? An, it's like the first scene, isn't it, where she's cooked breakfast. And there's that, why she's, was it she's, green? She's boiled, it green? she's boiled the bacon. But why was it green? Well, because she says like a dad, like, no, oh, wait a minute. So a deleted scene. There is a deleted scene, actually, that we should probably mention um, that was taken out that would make a lot of sense. Two, one of which she says she boiled the bacon because that's how his dad used to cook it for him, which is a great line because you think, who's, wait a minute, who's boiled bacon? But the other line, which is more pertinent, is somebody, and I can't remember who it is because I heard I heard it and, and couldn't and didn't find out. Um, says she's so much she's so much more chilled out than she was since we rescued her from the cult. Oh, she was in a cult. Yes, that would explain it. Now that I thought, leave that in because then that explains it. She's <laughs> she's doing all this stuff because she's, she's readjusting with life. Yeah. She's readjusted well, you, to life again. That makes sense, but that makes it a lot darker too. Well, uh, yeah, but that's probably no, why they kept it. Just it just kind of melds into the weirdness of the film, I guess, doesn't it? You're singing hamburgers and cults <laughs> don't don't probably go alongside each other. And swaying chips. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of the one of the unsung heroes of the film next, Scooter Stevens, who played um, his brother Badger. Who never says said nothing. Says, says nothing. nothing. Doesn't need to though. Oh, I didn't even know he had a name. His name was Badger. Badger, yeah. <laughs> um, all I could find on IMDb, really, of anything of note. Um, do you remember? And I'm going to direct this at Joe because uh, Amanda's going to go. Nope. Uh, a film called She's Out of Control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony Dancer and. Um. Uh. I- I know you. Yeah. Um, not Alyssa uh, Milano, because she was in she's, she's, uh, she's Mickey Dolan's, you know. From Amy Monkeys. Dolan's. Amy Dolan's. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, that's her father, Mickey Dolan's. That's right. Okay. Um, great film. But he played Bonnie's Date and She's Out of Control. So there you go. Okay. We must move on. Let's go to Monique. <laughs> Diane Franklin. Uh, she was uh, Princess Joanna in Bill and Ted's. Excellent adventure. Who's Monique? Sorry, is she the neighbour over the road? Monique. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> that one. No, that's that's the, she's girl. the French girl. The she's French, the French girl. girl. Oh, with the French girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get to the we'll get to the mum in a minute. Um, she's also in a film that I love and definitely would be if I was just doing forgotten films of the eighties. If I mention this now, you're both going to draw a blank. How I got to college? Nope. There you nope. go. You see the epitome of that. I love that film. Um, it's got Anthony Edwards in it. It's very good. Um, uh, she was also in Charles in Charge, which I found a little because uh, uh, I used to love Charles in Charge with Scott Bayer. Never saw an episode of that. Oh, Joe. Didn't you? Joe. Well, I couldn't stand Scott Bayer. There's no way I'm going to watch it. Don't like Chat he ruined Happy Days. Are you kidding me? Oh, he, ne- my. he was the only one on that show that didn't have a, a, a 50s or 60s haircut. He had a modern day haircut. He wore modern day clothes. Um, it was like one of the coolest after the phones, like. No, he, he ruined Happy Days. I'm oh, sorry. My goodness. My, I believe you said that. And, and one of my friends is best friends with the guy, too. And I'm like, he ruined Happy Days. <laughs> you know, that's how I see him. <laughs> wow. Years. 
Chachi, ugh. God, if we, if we, well, if we had more time, we would definitely explore that, but we're already half an hour. Um, see, this is what it's like when we get together. And this is why <laughs> it's so wonderful. I, I've no, been no, curbing my, myself. I've been trying my best. Do you, know what? Do you know what? I will say, I will say now to people listening to the podcast, I, I have listened to podcasts that are two hour, two hours long. Usually they're Joe's, but there are other, <laughs> there are other ones. Right. But what I'm saying is you listen to them. If I'm swimming, I just, I just pause it. I'll come to it and then I'll pick it up or I'll go and watch it or something like that. People do that with podcasts these days. I've heard people go, oh, we should really have you podcast in 45 minutes. No, forget it. We, we, we wouldn't be able to cover what we need to cover. If you like this podcast and you think, okay, I've only got half an hour, press pause now. We'll see you. We'll see you. Come come on back. See you in come on back part when you two, gotta, yeah. Yeah, make it, make it six parts, <laughs> but just keep listening to it and just, you know, we don't want to stifle the content. Because look, we're all together, and I'm not going to squander we've, this opportunity. We've got nuggets of content littered throughout the podcast. <laughs> we we have we have um, Laura Laura Waterbury who played. I want to say uh, she was Go also on. in Vision Quest. Vision oh, Quest. Okay. And she what was, was hot. That? Oh, that was film. a movie. Um, Josh Brolin was in it, where he played like a, a wrestler uh, on a high school wrestling with team with Matthew Bodine. Yeah. I think Matthew. Oh, oh no, it was was it Matthew Modine? I'm it saying Matthew Modine. Yeah. No, you're right. I don't know why I said Josh Brolin, but it was Matthew Modine, and um, I forget if she was a maid or something like that. But she had moved in with the family, and she was hot as hell. She was. Whew. That's where the "Crazy for You" song was the theme tune by Madonna. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. yep, yep. yep. yeah. That was yep. like the. That's what made it so popular. That movie. <laughs> I still, I still I never watched it. it. I still didn't watch it. She's really cute in that. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. No, we've already set the benchmark now, so it's all right. We can carry on for a little bit longer. So, it's, but that's, okay. Because I, I've got, I have, we have talked today already, and you are going to tell us a great story about Ricky when we get to mm. that. But anyway, um, before we get to that, let's get to his mum, Laura Waterbury, uh, who sadly passed in 2013. She was in, and you're going to think I'm making this up, but I'm not. She's in One Crazy Summer, Summer School, <laughs> and Inner Space. Those are the highlights. Inner Space? What did, in, who was she in Inner Space? Then? She was one of the uh, <clears throat> scientists. Hmm. I, I went I to the cinema her. to watch that. Inner Space is great. That, yeah, is that, that is the one where they, the, the really annoying guy... Dennis Quaid gets shrunk no, and goes into guy. Martin Short. The annoying guy. Well, it's Martin Short. Well, it's no. Martin Short's not annoying. I thought it had one of the other. Oh, who am I you never listened to Twisting the Night Away again without thinking of that scene. So, yeah. <laughs> I know where. Uh, uh, yeah, they get like reduced down and injected in, don't they? In a capsule. Oh, the original one was called Fantastic Voyage. Oh. But that was in 68, Donald Pleasance. Um, she was also in, and this is where the nice segue comes from. A series that I'm currently uh, have on now and again because uh, I'm working my way through it. Head of the class, which I loved. I, it was a great TV series. Anyway, also in Head of the Class, playing one of the genie students was Dan Schneider. Joe, can you tell us what else Dan Schneider's been in? And yeah, and maybe maybe a story or two. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I didn't realize at the time that Dan Snyder was 
the guy that he actually created a ton of shows for Nickelodeon. Um, he is rich. He is probably the most popular and successful producer of, of children television shows uh, ever. And um, he created iCarly, Victorious, Sam and Cat, Zoe 101, Keenan and Cal, all that. Drake and Cal, I love that. Drake and Josh. Uh, wait, you, wait a minute, he's responsible for Sam and Cat. Yeah, you hate yeah. that. Amy liked that. <sighs> Henry Danger. Wow. Um, he's done a ton. It's just insane. I didn't know he was behind all that stuff, but he created it. He wrote a lot of it. Um, and he was like the godfather of Nickelodeon. And he kind of had like this power where people were afraid of him in a way, um, you know, if they didn't want to get fired or something like that. So it turns out in 2018, he was fired by Nickelodeon, which was weird because he basically has been making shows for them for 30 years. And um, it's uh, 20, 30 years. So it, it turns out that they they did an investigation on him because some of the people that had worked for him that had complained about him. Uh, and this was around during the Me Too movement, too. Well, one thing that they found him guilty for was that he was abusive. Like he cursed a lot and he was a perfectionist and he screamed a lot at the cast, uh, you know, upset them a lot. And nowadays you can't do that. But I guess back then, you know, when somebody was a perfectionist, they, they felt that they needed to get their point across or they were frustrated. They would scream at somebody. But um, there have been a lot of complaints that, he may have uh, abused some of his uh, his co- his stars, the young stars. He's got a foot fetish for sure, and I didn't realize this until I saw videos on YouTube. You, all you have to do is type in um, Dan Schneider and feet, and there's a bunch of videos that come out from all of his shows. Almost all of his shows show the girls without feet on, like they're pouring ketchup over their feet or uh, they're putting them in mashed potatoes or, or whatever, or uh, they're trying to put their teeth, they can put their feet in their mouth. He is super into feet. It's kind of creepy when you look at it now. And I think back then it seemed very innocent, but he's got this really weird foot fetish. And I heard that they had a casting call and he asked, uh, maybe there was 20, 30 girls uh, he asked them to come in, you know, take their shoes and socks off and run around the room. And uh, he wanted to basically see their feet. He, you know, it, it's definitely out there. There's something oh, very unsettling about it. Uh, he would also text, uh, you know, the, the stars after work and kind of get very personal and flirty with them. Uh, and there is a rumor. And again, all this is rumor, you know, we don't know for hundred percent sure. And when you watch the video, they always make it look like he's guilty, you know, because like they'll play like music from a stalker movie and like they're showing <laughs> something from Sam and Cat. They're like, oh yeah, he's guilty. Look, listen to the music. You know. But uh Zoe 101 had Britney Spears' sister in it, Jamie Lynn Spears. At the time, she was 16 years old and she announced she was pregnant. And uh, the show ended. There's, 
a conspiracy theory going around that that he is the father of the child. Whoa. And uh, it's anything is possible. I mean, I I can't confirm. Did she have? The, did, she, did she subsequently have the child? She did, and they showed pictures. <laughs> Yeah, and it does look a little bit like him. But again, we don't know for a fact. Uh, she said it was some guy in high school, but uh, a lot of people believe it was him. Uh, yeah. You know, and again, I I don't want to come right out and accuse him of anything because we don't know. Anyone could make somebody look bad um, sure. on their actions. But there is some evidence out there, especially if you watch the stuff on YouTube. It is a little creepy. And um you know, he so no it's longer... all a bit murky then. Yes, you could play music during this part, Jack. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna call you Jack. Jack. Hey, I'm, hey, happy, Jack. I'm happy for that, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie. Oh, settling in now, you see, Joe. Yeah, well, I did look at it. it. I did at look at it. <laughs> I looked at his net worth, he's worth over 40 million dollars. Wow, 40, 40 million, which I thought he'd be worth more. I thought um, he'd be more than that. Yeah, if you did yeah. all those shows, that that makes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I'm but I'm sure he still gets money like residuals and, you know, whenever they play those shows and they're also merchandising products and stuff like that. He's loaded. He's got nothing to worry about. Right. Mm. Okay. Well, Dan Schneider. Well, Dan's- he's also he's also in How I Got Into College as well. Thanks. But I mean. Um, there you go. You see the film have that you don't got, know. Have we got anyone else on roll call? Uh, yes, uh, just a few more. Let's go through them. So I've said Yuji Okamoto, uh, Amanda Weiss, Beth. So when I did the podcast for Nightmare on Elm Street with Dom, I went, This is Amanda Weiss, this is Beth, this is Beth from uh, Better Off Dead, and she plays Beth in Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's Beth, oh. Beth all the way. Um, she was also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is quality film um what did she play in that i haven't got the character but she did play she was in fast times in richmond high uh curtis armstrong uh who played booger in uh revenge of the nerds one two three and four um i can't remember revenge of the nerds so i've got it on my list to watch um because i need refreshing um that was that was actually a big movie over here Yes, I don't. But I remember it was big. It was big over, you know, bigish over here. Um, he's also in One Crazy Summer, so the partnership is back for One Crazy Summer. One Crazy Summer's also got Demi Moore in, and you like thinking it's it's a good film. There's one glaring thing wrong with the film, but we'll get to that if we when we do it. Um, you- he was. Well, oh no, I was going to say, are you, you going to mention which show he was on? I was, I was indeed my oh my, my, my favorite show of the eighties because I have something on that. Oh, okay, ahead. well, he was Ooh. Herbert Violet in Moonlighting, uh, and he was also in uh, Boston Legal. So with Jen, with Jen in Moonlighting. No, I could. You, you didn't like. You didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't, like, didn't like. I didn't no. like him. I didn't like. I didn't like his character. I liked no. Curtis Armstrong. I didn't necessarily like the character, and the, the mistake that Moonlighting did is they actually gave Agnes and Herbert, uh, Agnes DePesto and Herbert, episodes of their own, three, and they were dreadful. They weren't They good. were awful. Joe, t- tell me about Curtis Armstrong. 
No, so I think it's interesting. So he was uh, going out with, or he married that girl that was Agnes. Did he? Well, no, no. In the in the TV show, didn't they get married? Yes, they oh, eventually. Yeah, yeah. So she was married to the professor or the teacher uh, with the big head in uh, in this movie. Better off dead. Really? Wait yeah. a minute. So the next, the only the last person on here, Vincent Ch- Ch- Chiavelli. Yeah, is that him? He's got like the the huge head. Yeah. (laughs) She was married to him. That is incredible. See, this is why we have Joe on, right? You know, he finds a little nugget like that. That's amazing. It's almost six degrees of separation, isn't it? It's like who knows (laughs) who and who was in what. I suppose if you're just concentrating on the 80s movies, in some way, shape, or form, they're all going to get linked in with each other, aren't they? Because well, there'll be an actor that's played something on that that knows someone, which is the brother or sister on that film. And <laughs> well, absolutely, he died in two thousand five. Um, but I'm going to leave the last word on roll call to you, Amanda, because um, he was also in head of the class. Everyone's in head of the class on this on this one. Um, he was in Star Trek. He was uh, the organ grinder in batman returns yeah um but amanda tell me where you recognize him from what 1990 film huge possibly maybe the biggest film of 1990 was he also in 1990 um i think i've got the year right maybe it's 91 but anyway i know that one starring one of your dream boats oh he's so hunky he likes undulating walls. No. I can't think of the move. It's not dirty dancing, is it? No. No, it's not no. dirty dancing. But you're close. Uh, you're close. Oh, yeah. it's not ghost, is it? It is ghost. Yeah. He oh, the, God. He plays, he plays the, quite, the quite scary. He's quite scary in it. He plays the subway ghost, which tell, yes. tells him how to move things. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm sure I've seen him as a ghost. I'm thinking, he's not in Harry Potter. Where have I seen him as a ghost? Am I making that up? Oh, it must well, be a ghost then. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> he was in that movie with Michael Keaton and uh, Henry Winkler. What was that called? Night Shift. Night Shift. Yeah. Oh, don't ask. Yes, but don't ask. Don't ask me. Ask him, don't ask what? <laughs> no, he was the guy that delivered Henry Winkler's sandwich. And then he, uh, he said, I didn't order mustard. And then he scrape the mustard off the the wall <laughs> brilliant anyway um let's just go let's let's go to the film and let's talk a little bit about the film maybe not because otherwise we might be here till midnight but i would say you've got this it's pretty much straight into the film as soon as the film starts i think it's straight into it you get this weird cartoon intro bit to it Mm. which is, you know, the director. Um, it's the director that did the drawings, um, I believe. It was Savage Steve Holland that actually did the store, the drawings, I believe. The I, animation. I the animation bit at the start. Um, there's, no mess, there's no messing around. You get straight into John Cusack. You know, he wakes up with the, those welding goggles on, uh, which seems to be so uh, to favourites, straight into the shower with the socks on. Very strange, very weird. But then it's almost like this Jaws-style intro where the dad hears the spokes of the wheel. 
going. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. I need to get dressed. Puts on his wife's like night. He gets out. It's the paper boy. And he's got one solitary window left on his garage. Unbroken. <laughs> Unbroken. And he needs to get it up. I just thought that's a really good start to the film because he saves the window, but unfortunately his door breaks. This match basically breaks all of them down there. I, did you guys have paper boys where you were? Yeah, but ours actually d- deliver them through the letterbox properly. Yeah. They don't just throw them on the garden or in the vicinity of your house. Because that yeah. was... You'd get really we... told off if you did that. Yeah. It was like that over in, in the United States. Like they would throw the paper. It would always be wet if it was raining out and stuff like that. And well, it would always like knock on the door and they would go two dollars you know and then <laughs> usually in my house it would be like um we'll have to get you next week so then it would be four dollars next week and it kept going to i used to feel bad for them because they never used to get their money and uh you know but, but, but it was, was just like ar- that but that was an arcade game paperboy and i remember when that appeared in the arcade and i'm just like that all oh, my christmas are gonna want you had a handlebars and the game and you just had to move it and make sure that you threw that paper and so, yeah. Oh, I just think it's brilliant. We know that John Cusack is obsessed with Beth. We know that Lane Myers, John Cusack's character, is obsessed with the. It's a bit point, creepy, though, don't point, you think? Oh, yeah. 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 All, all of those images, and then even his clothes have got her head on the hangers. It's just a bit too much. Yes, absolutely. I'd be a bit worried if I was her, especially if they'd only been going out six months. But when you look at that movie, though, is there anybody normal in that movie? Even him, mm. he's not normal, but all of his friends, his family, is they're all normal. Monique's even... normal. Who? Monique's not really. Normal. She's she not. She can mend cars. She's a mechanic. And she was throwing those lemons at the uh, the stop sign and all yeah. that. Yeah. Good picture. We'll, we'll get to. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, is anyone normal? That's quite no. good. That's quite a good one. We may get to that. Let's let's no, have that. I don't think anyone is, are they, Joe? Good spot there. Well, you get Char- his psychic Charles. Um, not normal. <laughs> he's not normal at all. He's uh, he he's was like snorting snorting snow. <laughs> yeah, <and> jelly. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, uh, John Cusack's going skiing, uh, so he's going to go like pick up Beth, and they're going to go. Uh, for the tryouts for the school team. Um, he keeps his skis in his room. I thought that was really odd because when his dad comes up to like talk to him about something, he's, he comes out and sticks the skis up his dad's behind type of thing. And I'm like, how do you keep skis in your room? And the classic comedy moment, turning around with the skis and then they knock something down and knock yeah, them oh, It's like Eric Idle in the plank. Yeah, <laughs> Go and look that up on YouTube. It's, it's well worth it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's obsessed. Obviously, we get the the mum and dad, the the boiled bacon, which is great. So the dad decides to have some uh, cereal, but unfortunately, Badger, uh, the son, is uh, just cutting out coupons. And every time, and I'm like thinking, so he has to he has to cut the coupon out, hold the box like that, and put it in, in order for that gag to work, because everything he brings out just. Goes on the floor because there's a hole in it. Can I ask, right? In the eighties, did you not have plastic inserts in your cereal boxes in the yeah. US? Oh. So, so it was all a bit of a. He might have cut too deep. On uh, all of them, 
Mm. Well, what was weird too, I mean, mostly what we had, we had toys inside of the cereal. Yeah, we used to have that. Yes. And I was used to like, I'd open up a box and I go, you know, (laughs) stick my whole dirty arm down there and then finally pull out the toy. Stick to your hand. Oh gosh, we need more sugar puffs, even though it was like full. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are different things. Remember Jules, like Cheerios, Fruit Loops. You have Fruit Loops. I love Cheerios. Oh no, that's Jules too. Sorry. Um, Yes. uh, So he's got this skis. Let's cut to Ricky and Monique, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast forward one of my bugbears on this. When we finally learn out, spoiler alert! But if you if you listen to these podcasts, you know the whole thing is a spoiler, so it's fine. But she says later on, the reason why she was decided that she she was going to say she couldn't speak English, she just spoke French. She says because it's easier than having to explain herself. And easier having to in that environment, it just wouldn't have worked. So let's cut to the first time that Ricky meets Monique, and the mum ushers him into the room. He takes one look at her and he, sh- he shuffles off again. And it's like, he's brilliant, but she hasn't met him, and she's already made the decision that she's going to speak French. Well, I think I would. Well, yeah, but you don't. Ins- you you get to talk to. Well, yeah, but. He's you know, coming in totally... and then he's doing the <laughs> his nose and <laughs> there's, a lot of things. With Curtis and Armstrong, like... there's a lot of things going up the nose in this film. So yeah. Uh, she no. could have decided that before she came that she was gonna speak French unless the family was normal. And then once she was in the car ride home, she probably was like, oh, I'm just gonna Yeah, but you, you can't you can't suss that out. You can't speak French. Sorry, you can't speak until you know that you you can't speak. She wouldn't, yeah, she wouldn't have known that, you know, what Ricky's like. So she's well, made that decision. But she knew what the it. mother was like. She knew what the mother was like. Oh, what, so. that the mother is just basically getting someone for Ricky to be in his sex dungeon? Because that's pretty mm-hmm. much what it is. Mm-hmm. The international language. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Um, anyway, just after that scene. So everything's set up. He's in the car with Beth, and you get the first one with Yuji Okamoto. Truly an awesome spectacle. This is the first time where he goes goes into the... Um, <laughs> sorry, it just makes me laugh every time. Um, uh, and he goes, he, he, he reverses into... I, I didn't put the actor's name down, but the guy from Porky's. Yeah. Pretty much. He played the same, exactly the same character... Uh, as he is here, he might as well be the same character. Um, I know that it isn't uh, a straight translation, um, but Beth has made the ju- decision. Uh, he doesn't know that he's going to be replaced, so he takes John Cusack's photo out and puts in um, Stalin, <laughs> Stalin's photo, <laughs> which I always thought was great <laughs> in, in, in his place. Gets to the tryouts. Stalin has a thing for Beth. She has a thing for him. Um, John Cusack doesn't stand a chance. Um, I love his like condescending thing. Oh, who wants to help me? Oh, you'd make a fine little helper. You know, <laughs> I'm just like thinking, oh, this is definitely, we're definitely in 80s here. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just a bit, it's a good setup because then you get the fact that 
she's breaking up with him. He can't ski this mountain to save his life. And, and John Cusack's character Lane um, gets humiliated as well, doesn't he? Because like the the guy pushes him over whilst he's got his skis on, and basically mm. knocks everyone else like dominoes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask Amanda, do you think Beth was worth it? No, I don't either. I, I didn't think she was that attractive. I mean, well, I don't think like- it's that. I think she's just very fickle. Yeah, to, to drop someone just because there's a more hunkier, swoony guy, you know. Just, but he is. He's, he's written it. It's like an eighties. He's not. He's, Stalin is written as. He, I should. I should find his first name actually. He's horrid. He's, him Stalin. He's a bully, and uses, but he's an eighties bad guy. He's great. Yeah, he's but not this nice. This is why it's like a cartoon instead of a movie. Like like when he crashes into that guy's truck. And then again, he does it again later. He crashes into the front of the truck this time. <laughs> and, um, you know, just a lot of it seems like a cartoon, even like with Beth, you know, like when he meets Beth and, you know, his feet is in the potato salad or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. He steps in the people's picnic in the park. That's right. And yeah. then walks over to her. And then, like, they're both, there's a sub narrative going on, isn't it? When they're meeting with them talking to themselves in their own head, saying, oh, she's touched her nose does that mean i've got something on my nose i best just wipe my nose and there's this whole scene where then they're like blowing the (laughs) nose and then like checking their ears and just because they they don't know if they've got a bogey on the nose or whatever but it's same like sure thing you know he takes a pass and goes and meets the girl you know that's what happened in the sure thing he ends up you know throwing them a pass and he ends up talking to the talking to the girl so um, anyway, he's he's now broken up. He's Beth has I think she's worth it. I think she was I think she's good looking. She was good looking in Nightmare Elm Street as well. But anyway, there was only a year before. Um we have um he's yeah, it's all a bit do I can't remember because I didn't write write down the chronological chronological order. He gets home and his mum's hoovering. That's the first time he tries to commit suicide. Mm. Um, and he goes, how are you, dear? Because Beth broke up with me. Oh, that's nice, dear. <laughs> um, he goes into the garage, puts uh, the noose on, and then goes, this is crazy. I haven't even seen New York. Um, and But his mum <laughs> comes in to hoover the... Reverses backwards. Reverses backwards. That's it. Now, to go back to your bit about you're uncomfortable with the suicide scenes. Mm. I described that to you when I was talking about better off dead and it didn't go down well because no matter how I describe it, you were like, that sounds awful. Um, Is it funnier when you watch it or not? Not, it wasn't funny when I watched it last night, Mm. but I think now I've seen the whole movie, I can take it in the context. In context. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't need those suicide scenes. They they didn't. They could have called the movie something else. They could, because there weren't that many. There's, there was there was the, the there's three of them. I think the garage with the noose. There's four the garage with the car. car where he's trying to gas himself while smoking and then reverses back, breaks the garage door again. <laughs> then there's the jumping off the bridge. Oh yes, jumping off the bridge. Charles pats him on the back and pushes yeah. him off. <laughs> Which is a good and, line, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be thrown away a perfectly good white boy like that. 
and then and then the fourth one is the is it the terps the, the paint thinner yeah the, the paint stripper yeah paint stripper where it's in the pot and he's just like covering himself it's the it's a christmas it's not the christmas meal but it's um they've got the neighbors over the road over haven't they it's christmas her <laughs> um sat at the table and then she mistakenly drinks <laughs> the terps pot <laughs> and says oh it likes a cigarette quite quite a nice uh, drink here <laughs> and then she just goes to like this cigarette and she just literally all you see is the house go kaboom <laughs> oh so yeah actually yeah which is the bad thing he says to ricky i'm sorry that your mum, mum's face blew up <laughs> as you do you know i i think that's part of the reason why the movie didn't do so well because of the title and because of the trailer because you did see that he was trying to kill himself right and i think most kids and most people just didn't want to see a movie even if it was a comedy about some guy trying to kill himself back then that's why i think if they would have got rid of that stuff and they would have just called it like i love beth or you know or something like that i think uh it would have done better and that's some more com- commentator scenes then put put some more commentator scenes in yeah i'd watch yeah. it i'd watch it um can we cut to the the maths the math the math teacher um in a complete opposite to the ferris bueller classroom this is a this is a, a i don't know it's like a nice paradise it looks great when they, they they get the homework out and he gets his out as we saw on the trailer <laughs> when he pulls Bless it you. apart with some gum on there and it says do homework, do homework. The <laughs> that's, that's brilliant um of course he's invited to the board out of everybody, he's enthusiastically putting their hands up in order to solve this mess thing. He cuts back to Beth. They've been in the car. Um, it broke, is what you hear. So obviously, we're looking at the uh, oh, it's the first the condom, night the first night together, of, yeah, virgins and basically, yeah. So he put it as it's broke, and he's ended up drawing a pregnant Beth in cartoon form on the on the uh, there. But I, I, still I did, done his equation, though. It, well, he did some equation. I'm <laughs> not sure. Not sure he did an awful lot. But here's where you have this recurring theme where everybody goes, "Well, I've heard that you and Beth have split up, and I just wondered if I could, uh, if I could ask right. her out." Yeah. And you're like, "This is great." So that's the postman, the math teacher, and I'm sure there's somebody else. There is. Uh, oh yeah, the postman. Um... It's it's odd. There, there is there is somebody else. I'm sure. Well, the, the skier is going out. That's what I thought was weird. Wasn't she going out with the skier? She broke up with uh, Lloyd to go out with the skier. Lloyd, yeah. look, look at you. You've gone straight back to say anything. Lane. Oh, is his name Lane? <laughs> it's not Lloyd Dobler. No, it's uh... <laughs> All right. All right, Lane. <laughs> so she breaks up with Lane. So why would she be going out with the teacher if she was going out with the skier? I don't know, but they're all asking him as if that they uh, they wanted to to find out. So yeah, um, after that, after the math lesson, which is great, it's a it's a great scene. Um, he's jumping off the bridge, you know. Uh, buckle up, he little didn't, camper. He didn't jump. 
He didn't jump. He's buckle, buckle up, little camper, and pats him on the back, and he's straight into the garbage, garbage thing, which is great. Um, uh, he comes out with when they when they go. So he goes back to the top. So he's determined to ski this mountain because that's he's convinced that's how he's going to get Beth back. He's going to ski this K twelve, and he's going to be better than this the better than Stalin. Can somebody find out his first name? Because um, I keep calling him Stalin. It's like saying, yeah, so Stalin and Mussolini are in a bar. Um, but anyway, um, I love to Curtis Armstrong online on this. Dying when you're really sick is really sick, which is like if you can die going down this mountain, <laughs> it's like really odd line. Um, and I've never understood the bit in that, because if you've got the fact that he's trying to kill himself, why is he scared of the mountain? Why is he scared of dying? Yeah. That don't make any sense. Go for it. I'll tell you, yeah, you might die. Again, a lot of the movie doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> we have got a big part. Is he not, and- Joe? <laughs> no. Especially the, well, I'll wait for the ending to say something, but the ending definitely doesn't make any sense. I think well, his name is is Johnny. Johnny. Right. Let's call him Johnny. Johnny Stalin. Um this is Johnny Gasparini. But he's called Stalin. Maybe that's his nickname. Right, okay. Um, why would you have a nickname? Why would you have a nickname off of a dictator that killed millions? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we had a TV series called Bottom, starring Rick Mail and uh, Adrian Edmondson from The Young Ones, and it's supremely funny, as Amanda will attest to. But Adrian Edmondson's character was called Eddie Hitler. <laughs> you just think. That's great. And that works. It's never explained why. It's never referred to in that sense. He's just called Eddie Hitler. Just think, okay, love it. Um, yeah, the character's name is Damien, sorry, Johnny Gaspara, Gasparini. But but Curtis Armstrong keeps referring to him as Stalin. Curtis Armstrong? Who's yeah. Curtis Armstrong? Charles. Jesus. Charles. Oh, Charles DeMar. Yeah, right, yeah. okay. Right. So oh, it's probably just his nickname for him, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, he's, like, he's, like he's a Russian leader. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's Christmas time. So we get we're at Christmas time already. There's the fire on the TV, which I always think is great. We do that. We've got a, a you know a, an OLED 4K TV, and yeah, we put some we put some fire on it when it comes to Christmas. Okay, fire, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And actually, you just sit there. It could be like minus. Well, it's never cold in the house. It does make you feel warm. It does make it? you feel always you watch, makes you feel warm. Have you ever watched a log fire on the telly, Joe? Oh yeah, all the time. And it does make you feel warm, don't you think? Oh yeah, and no, I like they play Christmas music and all that. It's very Christmas. That's wicked. <laughs> have you done the aquarium tank as well? Every now and then. <laughs> Listen to us. We got all this high tech stuff. What do we do? Oh, oh quick, find a uh, find Love a fish. <laughs> really? That's a that's a party right there. Oh. Um. Anyways, fire on the TV. It's it's Christmas presents. Uh, he's getting a lot of fried chicken dinners. Oh, now help me out here, Joe. Chicken that you keep at room temperature in a box. Is this? I know. I know that you had TV dinners. And we turned it into having TV, watch, having dinner, watching TV. 
But TV dinners were a set meal, weren't they? That you just mm-hmm. put in the oven, not yeah. the microwave. You put them in the oven and they came out. You had a complete meal there. Did they have desserts on there they as did. well? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but they were uh, nutritious in every way. Yeah, it was bizarre because I used to have a lot of those. My mother was a horrible cook. And so she used to buy a lot of those. And, and yeah, you would have chicken, mashed potatoes, corn, and then you'd have a brownie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's really weird. Oh. It's all cooked at the same temperature. And never the came time. out right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he does get a lot of them. Um, cut to Ricky's house. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's a. Uh, um, that's when it's like, do, do you have Christmas in France? You know, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's great. What did Ricky get? Ricky gets her assigned. Ricky gets her a photo of himself. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. I think. Do you know what? I when you when you know what you know about Dan Schneider. When you know, and you're looking at the film, and that eyes now, you're thinking, this guy's not just a nerd. This guy is like, he's a serial killer in waiting. Oh, he's a really not a horrid. Deep dark. No, 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 no. I think it's I think it's easy to fall into the trap that he's just um it's you know it's creepy. He is creepy, but he's funny. It's predatory though, isn't it? The way that they drag her off. Well he's got his yeah, absolutely. He's got his over the shoulder and he's doing this in the car and all this sort of stuff. It's not got good um tone to it. No. It's fun. I used to work. Uh, this guy next to me was just like Ricky. He was, but he was creep, creepier looking, you know. Mm. Uh, he he kind of looked like Shrek, and uh, he actually had an eight by ten photo of himself on his desk. And that's brilliant. You know, first, you know, we couldn't tell. We thought that maybe he was gay and it was his boyfriend. And then, like, we'd sneak over to see it when he was away from his desk, and they're like, "That's him." And they're like, "Well, maybe it's a twin brother," you know. It's like. No, that's him. No, <laughs> why? He still did loves himself. Him? Did you find out so why? Weird. No, we were afraid to ask him. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's because he, he, because he used to ask out every, all the hottest girls in the office. Oh, and again, God. he, he looked like Herman Munster, you know. <laughs> uh, and, but I don't know. Uh, Herman Munster's a, actually, yeah. Fred Gwynn is not a good looking guy. Yeah. Well, Fred. you know what I mean? He was not, he wasn't John yeah. Volta, this guy uh, <laughs> or Brad Pitt. But my point is that he had an eight by 10 picture of himself. That That's weird. That's he would just look weird. at and say, what a good looking guy I am. Mm-hmm. French fried potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the parents buy each other uh, gifts. Oh, sorry. She buys him. Real artwork for onesie, <laughs> which is brilliant, and the, the 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 thing over the top is just incredible. <laughs> it just makes it. But John Cusack, what does he want for Christmas? He wants to kill himself, so he goes into the garage, and then puts the engine and puts the pipe back into the car. Um, he gets convinced by his little uh, Teddy buddy that he shouldn't really shouldn't be doing this, and in the end, uh, he puts the car into reverse, and the car comes out because. The dad goes out and goes, look. And she goes, oh, it's a Christmas miracle that he fixed all the windows on this and the car comes through. Here's my problem with the film. It's clear that he's a, he's trying to gas himself. It's pretty clear. I mean, you'd be able to see all the gas and be able to smell it all coming out. At what point do the parents go, 
Are you okay, son? That would be it. That would be it, really. I think his dad was trying. He just felt he was generations away from him because he was taking a lead from that book, wasn't he? Like youth and drugs and stuff. And then it, there was a bit about communication in the book, and he was trying to communicate. You're like, really tracking me out, it, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then he says, instead of right on, he goes right off. And he went, <laughs> Lane just goes on, <laughs> walks off. So I think his dad's tried, but he just doesn't. He, I think he's got to. If his, if his son's no, going to kill himself, he, he needs to try harder. I think no, he. I, I think he gets the fact that Lane's down. I don't think he quite understands how obsessively down he is because he's saying to him, you've got to forget her and you've got to move on and I'm making you go and date other girls. And he sets up that date with the law, law firm partner's <laughs> daughter with like the, the massive kind of head brace for, for her teeth. With and the calculator the end, at the door. Yeah, they don't even go out on the date. She just says that's $13.20. Unless you're a cheapskate, which I don't think you are. No, that's another $10. <laughs> You just give me $13 and we'll call it quits. So that same night then, there's the school disco. Yeah, no. commas going no, on. there isn't. It's the next night. Well, it can't be because he returns home. Well, and we've got the postman. How the date was. No, but we've got the postman. The way that I've written it mm. is we've got the parents intervene when he we don't intervene. The postman then dropping the mail round. That was funny. Which is how to pick up trashy women. Obviously, what uh, Badger's been saving up for, which is brilliant. Um, goes to the door and goes, what's a young boy like you doing with this book? He just grabs it, shuts the door, and then knocks on the door again. And that's where he says, yeah, I, I know that you were seeing Beth, but uh, Jodie Chance, I could uh, go out, with, ask her out on a date. So there was that beforehand in between. So it must have been the day. I think his dad uses the book when he gets home from the, uh, for the first time on that one. Um, so that's when the dad arranges the date after that. So you're right. Um, uh, the date reminds me, where you, the way that he approaches the door and he hops up on the door, they just nick that for say anything. It's almost as like when he runs and catches the pass, there's little John Cusack bits put in different movies. And so it felt like to me, the sort of when he knocks on the door as Lloyd Dobler um, and John Mahoney answers the door. And he's like talking with her. I just want to know your daughter's safe with me for the next, you know, four to five hours and stuff like this. I, I just echoes of that. And obviously this film came first. But um, but yes, anyway, to the disco. Uh, the wonderful, the lovely E.G. Daly is performing on the stage. Um, she uh, wrote this song. Uh, she wrote the song, which is called Mind Over Matter which ended up having the line, I'd be better off dead than to live without you. Um, I like the soundtrack to this film. In the same oh, way, I like good. the soundtrack yeah. to, to Real Genius. She also sang a film called Waiting, which is on the Breakfast Club soundtrack as well. She, and she's in Valley Girl. That's why I keep telling you to watch it. You keep telling me to watch Valley Girl, and I will now, because if the, this is the thing that's pushing me over, and I will do it. But she's also the voice of Tommy in Rugrats, yeah, which I yeah. thought was incredible i was just like that what these rugrats i used yeah. to love watching that absolutely and she was um, in uh, peewee's big adventure oh god mm. <laughs> she was no. his girlfriend uh. <laughs> um 
anyway, we've got um, Ricky. Now, the high point, one of the high points is Ricky's entrance and Ricky's dancing. <laughs> because it's just perfect. It's just... Uh, that there's a guy that if he is nerdy and he is like that, then where's that come from? Because, you know, I just, I just don't get it, but yeah. Um, uh, what's the, what's the, um, he, he, Monique marches out. Um, John Cusack goes after her. They end up having a chat. She's still trying to, she makes within a within about five to two minutes in the film, she's made the decision that she's going to trust John Cusack enough to tell to tell him that she speaks English. Why wouldn't she tell him outside the disco? It makes no sense. Just go look. But it takes the fact that he gets picked up by the mom. Where were you? I've been looking for you. I've been screaming your name for hours. Picks up with Ricky. Ricky's in the back seat with her as she drives off. Oh, grim. It's only oh, when. John Cusack gets home, sees Badger with the um, how to pick up <laughs> trashy women. The and trashy women in his room. The trashy women are in his room. And I'm like, going, what is he doing with them? Don't know. Do, do you know what? Let's let's chalk that one up as it's 80s. Just don't ask any, you know, don't <laughs> ask any more. Um, it's a bit like that scene in Red Dawn. Uh, Leah Thompson in Red Dawn. Let's just jog my memory on that. Um, where they find the soldier and Leah Thompson, who's 13, is ends up having sex with the soldier because, you know, the Russians have invaded America and stuff like this. And that bit was cut. I remember the film. It was a deleted scene. So when the soldier dies, Leah Thompson's in bits and you're going, why? What, why? What's the thing? Because they had to obviously cut the fact that she had underage sex. And you're like looking at, looking at this and you're going what's badger doing just file it under the 80s just put it in the same sort of place don't need to ask they were very trashy anyway um so obviously the book worked um <laughs> i've got the line but i can't remember where it comes from i was planning it's all right i was planning to have my nose flattened by a professional what was i can't remember where that line was from it was something to do with monique did she did she hit it or something well, anyway. no, did, didn't he get in a fight with uh, somebody and he was kind of bloody? Um, yeah, lame. I couldn't remember where. Uh, yeah, I couldn't remember. Anyway, he gets back. Monique's throwing, is it lemons? Yeah. I thought they were apples. I think they were lemons. Okay. She's throwing yeah. them at the stop. You the get lemons side. at Christmas. No. Well, how do you okay. make gin and tonics? We have lemon trees. <laughs> um, maybe there are apples over in England. Maybe in the orchard, sweetheart. You know, in the jolly orchard. Some... Yes, the apples. <laughs> Look, Florida does oranges. We do apples. It's fine. Right. It's the way it's done. Right, it's fine. They do citrus. Um, we find out that Monique speaks French. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, you've got Ricky going, you should not upset mother. But let's not forget that you know, at that point, out of the mist, I want my two dollars, the paper boy. Now, I don't think that's they could have lost that whole lot, really. The the paper boy was was the least I funny, felt funny thing. It ran its it. course. 
Yeah. The, the whole paper boy thing. What was what was that all about? Where all the paper boys appear out the dark? It was like another thing that was unnecessary in well, the film. The the whole thing again is this is a cartoon. It's not really a movie. It's kind of like top secret a little bit. So yeah, because I did, uh, wonder, I did that- wonder whether he was actually suffering a mental illness, and this was actually what he was imagining going on, but it didn't actually happen. Well, it's kind of like when you said, well, how come his parents didn't say anything about when they saw him trying to commit suicide? Because the writers didn't care because they just wanted to put funny things after funny things. So, yeah, there was no substance to the paper boy and his gang of paper boy friends going after them. But they thought it was a funny scene. Same thing with the paper boy chasing him down the mountain. Like that would never happen, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Which make me wonder whether it actually was some kind of un... (laughs) medically diagnosed i don't think i don't think the writers or the director were were that deep well well, well, because you've got he's there in the diner isn't he and then he creates this kind of like frankenstein burger that then jumps off the the counter and then suddenly there's this female counterpart and Hmm. some swaying chips around a makeshift pool and they're there at the end and they're there at the end, which is like really weird because why would that be in the movie? I think he's struggling with mental illness, but it's undiagnosed. And I think these bits are about Whoa. mental illness. Well, absolutely it could be. I, I I always wonder that he was he had such a problem with overthinking everything mm. that spoiler alert, when he actually successfully skis the K-12 at the end. It's because he's th- he's not thinking about skiing the mountain. He's thinking about the kid on the adapted bike mm. um, that's coming after him for the $2. He's not thinking about that. So when he doesn't have to think about it, when it isn't going mentally on his mind, he's not really that. I mean, that's weird that he gets a job at Pig, Bun- Pig Burger anyway, because he's gone into his car twice. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know why you would, you would do that. It reminded me of weird science, you know, the, it's a live star mm. thing. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit odd. Um, well, the whole movie doesn't make sense. I, I think that's the point. It's like, again, it's just to have a good time. You know, you go no, out with your friends and watch things it. have got to make factual sense. The, the owner of Pigberg gives him the keys and say, you lock up. Okay. So he's the guy that's locking up. When he gets out after that scene and he gets turfed out, the restaurant's full. And, you know, you've got, um Johnny, um, not Star- not Johnny Stalin, but J- J- your Johnny. But wasn't he fired and then he brought um the French girl there yeah. for dinner? So where did he get the keys from? Still got That's... the keys. Well he's been fired though. Should he take the keys off him? I, I again I I don't think that the, the writers were that deep. We're not exactly <laughs> we're not we're not going for that, but but who's serving? That's what I'm thinking is he's doing he's the cook. So John Cusack on his first day is expected to service an entire restaurant. Again, let's not let's not put it there as a you've got look how to pick up trashy women. Meanwhile, he's ordering how to build a space shuttle, by the way. He's also built a ray gun, which a working <laughs> ray gun, which we have at the start. So um anyway, um rock bottom, he decides to tie himself up with curtains, is it? Um and douse himself in primer, but he doesn't actually do it, 
while he's carrying his carrying the primer on the way to go to the uh, garage, he's invited in by his mother because everyone's having having a, uh, a oh a French... to welcome to welcome Monique. Yes, it's a French themed food party, right. isn't it? French fries with French, French dressing. dressing. I didn't and find that funny. French French yeah. bread. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, and French water. But you've got Ricky. Ricky and it's is... called Peru. <laughs> Peru. That's it. <laughs> Peru. Um, Ricky is Ricky's touching up Monique underneath the table. You know, you're like really. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. So you've got all this like stuff. Oh, anyway. So <laughs> they get to the. Um, he doesn't. She ends up drinking. Ricky's mum ends up drinking the primer, lighting the cigarette. Boom. Face you see her later with the bandages on, so thankfully it wasn't that bad. Although it looked like it took out the whole whole room. She wouldn't but, have had a head. Yeah, this wasn't the explosion All in Die Hard. On, it's like some, out, yeah, some kind of beard, like a yes. masking tape beard yeah. with a little bit of dressing on it, isn't it? It's like she that, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get another light scene after this with the nuns this time, so they end up crashing. Um, instead of going into Pig Burger Guy. But here's the thing that um, he challenges uh, Johnny to ski the K-12 faster than he will. So not only is he going to ski it, he's going to ski it faster. And they arrange it for Saturday. Um, and they arrange this in the in the cafeteria. And then when they do that, it goes, if you beat me, you can be captain of the ski team. And he sees this as his way to get through Beth. Here's the thing that bugs me. As soon as it's happened, it's put on the tannoy um, mm. on the loudspeaker. This just in. Lane Myers is going to ski the K-12 against Johnny on Saturday. And the whole place erupts and cheers and people come up to him and pat him on the back. Now, it's... It, I, might be del- I might be delving into, into places, whatever, but hear me out. If he's so, he's obviously well liked at school. Who? It's not that he's an outcast, J- John Cusack. Okay, he's not. He's not an outcast. He's not. You know, he's got people behind him. You know, you've got people asking him, "Can they take Beth out?" Rather than you know, giving him a bit of respect. I know it's a funny thing, but everybody's rooting for him to be the guy that beats Johnny. Yeah. So far. Mm, yeah. Don't want to. And so doesn't see that support network or the people in school and, and everything as a reason to live. I know it's not as black and white as that all the time. No, because, because I mean, people are different false, things. aren't they? It's well, all, no, because they t- it turns all, out that they love him. It's all hype, isn't it? Oh, someone's taking on like, you know, the fastest skier. Oh my God, that's amazing. Ooh. It doesn't well, matter who it would be. I think they're just like, you know. No, I think he's well liked. Hmm. I think he was well liked at the disco. I think I you know, still think you're looking too much into it. Is you know, maybe it's, it's maybe meant to be a comedy. He's overthinking exactly. But but also, all right, I, I do have a point. So when he went to the math class, everybody had their homework done. Not only did they have it done, but you know, some had printouts and they had spreadsheets and all that stuff. Yeah. So that whole class was full of nerds. So I would assume like yeah. the whole high school was full of people like that, and he was the only one that wasn't. So yeah, they would more flock to him than a jock. 
you know, and, and you know, like how eighties movies were there and you were either a nerd or you were a jock, you know? Right. And I guess they look at the jock as a negative. Well, yeah. Yeah. So is the ski captain a nerd? No, or is he's, he... he's, no he's, he's a jock. jock. So what's Lane? Sports, sporty. Lane is an outcast. I would say he's kind of like in the middle. Right. Yeah. So he's neither. neither. But he's, he has got he has got Curtis Armstrong, who's been at the same school for seven years, <laughs> seven and a half years. Sorry. So you know, it's interesting because Curtis Armstrong was thirty when he made this film. Was he? Yeah. And you're like, hmm. um, uh, uh. What have we got here? So we've got the guy, the $2, again, the roof. It goes into the car wash. goes, oh, I can't swim. Rubbish. Not needed. It's just one of those things. It's fine. But then you've got, I think Monique is, I think the Monique is the star. Pretty much. When we talk about Ferris Bueller, we talk that Cameron, it's Cameron's story. It's not Ferris's film. I think... Monique is the one whereby when she's let out and she's given rain, she can she can cook, she can um, she can mend cars, she can throw a baseball, she can do all of this sort of stuff, and then she is the one that's basically lifting him out of the rut and saying, "Look, you can do this. You can beat him." Even when they get to the like, even when the, the most embarrassing thing that happens in the in the film which is where he takes her for the chicken, the TV dinner chicken thing at Pig Burger. And he plays the sax. It is the most cringeworthy thing. Yeah, the, the sax 80s. is unnecessary. Anybody playing music for somebody else, everyone does that music face for the listener where they go, as in like what I was supposed to do in this situation. You know, if it's somebody you can sing along to, well, then it's fine. But yeah, I just think she... she you know, fixing up that Camaro, having that nice little montage, having everything else. I just thought she she plays a far more important part in it than mm. do you think? She's, I, not your, she's not your typical female role, though, is she? She's more of a, a guy girl because girls. Oh, no, in, she's the best the looking 80s. girl in. She's best looking girl. No, in no, no. I mean, I'll give her that. Yeah, yeah. From, from skills point of view. Yeah. I, you I see you don't see too. any of the other girls getting their hands dirty. You see one being very pretty, uh, being, you know, affiliated just to the basketball team and yes. your favourite bit, Joe, where, yeah. you know, she's got royal skates on and unfortunately her dress comes off. Mm, mm. <laughs> Stereotypical uh, female, beautiful girl there. And then you've got Beth, also blonde, little bit mm, vacant um, and very fickle. Uh, doesn't really possess any particular talent or skill. Um, just likes going for the the most popular guy. Um, and then you've got um, Monique, who is neither of those, uh, who actually has something about her, but has said nothing throughout the film until the last sort of quarter of the film, mm. who, who then um, is actually a very steadfast and very... Um, independent person because it takes somebody like that. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it again. It takes somebody quite independent to go from your own 
home country at Christmas, which is really weird. Why would they send a foreign exchange student over at Christmas? Mm, didn't quite understand that, but but there we go. Um, Why not? So she's she's over in somebody else's house at Christmas, um, which is a time for when you're supposed to be with your family, isn't it? So what kind of family does she have? We don't know about her history, about you know what kind of family setup she's yeah, got. But we don't need to. I mean, this is no, but but she's come into the film, yeah. Um, supposedly being this French non-speaking person, uh, you can see where the film's going. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then suddenly she's speaking, she can pitch, she can mend cars, she mm. knows a lot of stuff, basically, not like the other girls in the film. So I don't know what point I'm making. I guess she's, she's just a strong role. She's a strong she's role. She's different from the she other girls. She turns his life around. Yeah. yeah. She turns his life and around. It, it reminded me a little bit of actually that film with Eric Stoltz. Is it the one with Eric? wonderful. Where Is he that takes it? Where she meal. A mechanic, she helps. Oh, what? Yeah. Yes. Mary Stuart Masterton, yeah. Reminds me of her. Oh, she's great. I, I think that they were attracted to each other because he was an outcast and she was an outcast because she was in this country mm. and she really didn't speak English to anybody and didn't get along with anybody because she was afraid to because she didn't know what they're going to be like. Mm. And um, again, they they both needed each other in order to be happy mm. and lane was in the beginning of the movie he was shallow he was attracted to beth who other than looks she didn't have any personality she wasn't a nice person very vacuous um, yeah, yeah. Mm. so he he did grow throughout the movie and she helped him grow if you want to look at yeah I that way i think he'd suffered failure hadn't he he hadn't he hadn't really got any nouns about him um so she was trying to get him to kind of be successful and and be good at stuff so she was helping him on his path to actually understand how to mend his own car and then teaching him how to ski down the moguls and down the down the mountain so yeah she Mm. she was she was more of a guy than he was in some respects because she could do it because she had that that self-belief and and knowing who she was I think he didn't have that. And I think that's what she was trying to sort of that's what um, she ends up doing. Help him with, yeah. Yeah. Go down that go down that really fast. If something gets in your way, I wouldn't even have done skiing. I I would have just taken her to a hotel and and that was it. You know, that would have been the end of my movie. (laughs) It's like, you know what? I don't like Beth anymore. Let's go to a hotel and you know what? And the Yeah, solve the mountain. Don't need that. Yeah. Anyway, let's finish this off. Well, this will be the longest podcast that we ever do. He is chased by the the $2 person, which I've just looked at the trivia. We've called him Johnny Gasparini. We've been referring to the guy at the ski team. Johnny Gasparini's not. He's the... Oh, that's the um, paper boy. That's the paper boy, yeah. Oh, is that? Yeah. Oh, so anyway, gorgeous. go back and replace every Johnny with Stalin. But anyway, there we go. That's how we do it. Um, he's been... He's... Curtis... Curtis... Armstrong runs over his skis, breaks one of his skis. So he's only got one ski. The guy comes for his $2. The ski scenes, uh, Stalin says, he's not coming. Uh, But John Cusack appears frustrated because he's been chased and he goes down there. The ski scenes are amazing. He ends up winning. Beth wants him back. He's not interested. But 
Ricky is there with with mum, all bandaged up, and gets into a. He gets a. The 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 guys from the car end up being there at the uh, at the finish line, don't they? Where he goes, oh, I've got to go or something, and they went inspired words from a man who knows how to ski. See, that, that was a missed opportunity. I think that they should have been narrating <laughs> oh, the whole race absolutely. while we were going down the mountain. I Get it in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the fight with the ski poles with Ricky is not really needed at all. Um, but, you know, it's just there. But we find that Ricky finds love in the end. I mean, the fact that she's going to be dead in his basement a year later, but... <laughs> Um, it makes him forget mother. It makes him forget all the time. He's pushed, you must not upset mother. You must not do all this. And at the end, his mother's going, what about me? And all this, you know, high-pitched stuff. She's great. And I think she's a great character. Um, but yeah, so you have that. Um, that reminded me of Jaws and Moonraker when he fell in love with that girl. Oh, the little yes. toy girl with the, the, <laughs> yeah, the pigtails yeah. that go up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, that gave so, me nightmares that did Jaws, like in the <laughs> Bond films with his teeth. Oh, Jaws gave Jaws gave me nightmares. Um, the what, shark the big, one, the big fish, the big fish. Um, so we cut to the end. The Camaro's fixed. Everything's great. Um, this is the stadium at the end. Uh, he's there with Monique, and the last bit, the second to last bit, is the guy coming in. Yes, we're going to flog this gag one more time. I want my two dollars coming up to the car. Just give him two dollars, you know, just give him two dollars. Um, then cuts to his well, dad while the well. credits are going. Oh, wait a minute. And cuts to his dad while his credits are going up. And it looks like Badger has built the space shuttle because it, <laughs> From it, his it blasts, out, blasts out the house. There we go. And that's better off dead. What were we going to say, sweetheart? All right. So, where not do you, not you, Joe? Where do they actually live? <laughs> where do they actually live? Um, I don't know. I was Chicago. in Detroit. Was it? I think it was. Could be wrong. I, I had a question though. Where so is who, are the, who are the baseball team that they go to see? Because it looks like they're. Oh traveling. no, that's right. It's L.A. Dodgers. That would have to be Los Angeles. Yeah, right. so they travel quite away, don't they? It would have to be Los Angeles. Then you're right. Uh, my question is: Where does Monique live now? Does she still live with Ricky and his mother? She was on an exchange. She'd have gone home. Would she have gone home? But now they're in. I, I, that's what confuses me because they can't live together because she's a foreign exchange student and they live right across the street from the people that are supposed to be housing her, you know? Mm. So. Well, presumably, what's happened to the girl that Ricky's got? Well, oh, wait a minute. Live. She's in the basement. Yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, okay. God. I've got it. It's fine. It's fine. Stop it. Oh, she has to right. be. That's, so, that's an interesting So the one. guy who was the, the ski captain, his name was Roy Stalin. There you go. Okay. Roy Sorry, Stalin. Guys. Roy. <laughs> Stalin. Um, anyway, we need to get on. We need to crack on. Um, I think we've covered that. Um, I guess we probably, I'm not, I'm not overthinking it. It's just nice that you have a bit of, you, you, you go into this stupidity, but it's like doing Iron Eagle, the first podcast we ever did. We, we, we took that to bits, but it's still, I still love that film with a passion. Anyway, let's get on to it. Let's do trivia time. Here we go. Trivia time. Trivia time. So I'm going to 
pick some out. I had loads and I think each one was great. I think we've done most of it already, haven't we? Well, according to Savage Steve Holland, the guy that directed this and One Crazy Summer, by the way, same guy, films mostly autobiographical. Holland really was suicidal when his girlfriend left him for the cats on the ski team. Mm. (coughs) He really did have a paperboy named Johnny Gasparini would harass him for $2. It's all there. Um, According to Holland, when the film came out, his ex-girlfriend contacted him to apologise. I thought it was nice. Steve Steve Holland stated in an interview that John Cusack hated this movie and walked out of the film after 20 minutes during a special screening prior to the star, prior to the star of the production, start a production on One Crazy Summer. Holland said, the next morning, Cusack walked up to me and was like, you know, you tricked me. Better Off Dead was the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, I'll never trust you as a director again. So don't speak to me. He was a jerk even back then. <laughs> he was just really upset. And I said, what happened? What's wrong? And he said that I sucked and it was the worst thing he'd ever seen and I'd used him, made a fool out of him, all this other stuff. It was so out of left field that it floored me, says the director. Kuzak completed principal photography on One Crazy Summer due to contractual obligations, but it had not been for this, Kuzak wouldn't have done One Crazy Summer, apparently. So it's all a bit like Kuzak. But weirdly, and I won't go into it, but then he's done a retrospective and goes, do you know what? I kind of like Better Off Dead. Because the trouble is, this film only made $15 million at the box office. But when it came out, Blockbuster, when it came out on VHS, Blockbuster had to continually buy copies because it was so popular that people nicked them and didn't bring them back. So it found a lease of life on VHS, which is where I found it. And it's now got a bit of a cult following because you've got all of these characters in there. You've got Howard Cassell, you, you know, impressions. So you've got John, all this stuff in there. Was Better Off Dead one of those films you pirated? Oh, God, yeah. I did, buy, I did buy a lot. Do you know what? What I might do is bring a photo and I've got it So somewhere. you might still have a, a the version wall of, videos. of Blockbuster's uh, Better Off Dead video oh, in your you video guys. collection. <laughs> Oh, Don't you I, read the warnings before like they, they play these videos? <laughs> I see like uh, people coming in behind the better off dead poster and pulling Charlie away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thankfully, I don't do any of that stuff now. So um, uh, Henry Winkler, so the Fonz, was instrumental in getting the film made in the early 80s. Savage Steve Holland's short film, My 11-Year-Old Birthday Party, played at the Los Angeles Film Festival. Henry Winkler saw the film, took a liking to Holland, a Winker suggestion, Holland checked out John Cusack and The Sure Thing, which Wink- which Henry Winkler executive produced. After seeing the movie, Holland thought Cusack was perfect. Holland had to fight to cast the, the studio. didn't think he was a leading man based on the fact of what he did in 16 Candles, which was hardly anything, pretty much. Um, in a 2004 interview, the director said of his suicide attempts to inspire the movie, um, I went into the garage, I put an extension cord on a pipe, and I'm on a garbage can, and I'm thinking, should I do this? Maybe it's maybe it isn't a good idea. Anyway, it was a plastic garbage can, and my weight just crashed through it, and I fell, and the pipe broke that he was attached to. Water starts pouring everywhere, and basically, I'm in a garbage can drowning. <laughs> my mum comes in and starts yelling at me for breaking the pipe, which is what any mum would do. So I started writing down stupid ways to kill yourself that would fail. And I put them in a diary and that diary became better off dead. Uh, 
Um, I'm gonna have to miss loads of stuff out. Um, uh, as a promo for the movie, Monique Diane Franklin um, had a manager contact Dodgers Stadium to see if they'd be interested in having her do an autograph signing, which I thought, okay, for her, for her yeah, she wasn't famous. <laughs> I can't. She said, "I kind of thought it'd be fun for people because if they saw the movie and I was at Dodger Stadium, it'd be a fun venue for everyone to come and see me there." She said. The ballpark said no to a signing, but asked her to sing the anthem, the national anthem. What was unusual about that is that when they introduced me, I thought they were going to say, <coughs> "And here's Diane Franklin from Better Off Dead," and they wound up saying, "Here's Diane Franklin." And I'm thinking, who knows Diane Franklin? Nobody knows who I am. So this strange woman has been invited to sing the national anthem and nobody refers to the film. So you can't do the signing, but you can sing the anthem. I'm like, that's a bit weird. Um, But yeah, so, oh, I had loads more, but we're we're just going to overrun. I think it's great. Has has this... um, uh, Amanda, has this whetted your appetite for us to do one crazy summer? And then let's let's put the John Cusack stuff to bed for a bit until we get to the grifters. Um, well, I don't know what the, the film is, but yeah, let's as they what say. What do you say, Joe? Yeah. Give it a whirl. Let's give it a whirl. Joe, you've seen One Crazy Summer. Oh, yeah, no, I think it's very similar. I, I think yeah. it's pretty funny. Yeah. There's some good um, bits in it, especially the two kids, which I think are the two kids from Mosquito Coast and <coughs> um, Great Outdoors. The twin girls. The twin girls. That if you pull a face, if somebody slaps you on the back, they'll stay that way. Ah. That's I, that's brilliant. <laughs> and they pull in the face and this kid comes up, slaps them on the back. And for the entire film, their face. It's just it's, it's so, all going to so depend on whether or not she likes Bobcat Goldway, you know. Oh, do you like the guy from Police Academy? I'm, I'm sad. I'm like, Ugh. oh no. Oh. He, oh, he was a comedian, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but he's oh. Okay, I'm right. gonna have to watch that then on my own. Right, what? One Crazy Summer. Well, I'll watch it, but oh. Well, that's two points off already. So, uh, well, let's do summer school then. Right, we'll do summer school with Mark Harmon, the guy that busts moonlighting, broke moonlighting. Thanks, Mark. Um, well, look, you'll get one of them. We'll have a discussion. You'll get well, one of them. Well, why don't we just do other. Beetlejuice, something different? Well, we're going to finish with Beetlejuice. Oh, okay. Near a sort of, you know, Halloween-ish. Oh, oh, nicely timed. Well, not really, because... Well, it won't actually. We'll end up doing it at the start, start of October, so... Um, anyway, um, we're in September, aren't we? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's oh, what happens when you have so much time off work. Anyway, this may be looking at the clock. This might be there might be a couple of minutes in it, but literally, with this is the longest podcast we've done. So yes, Joe, I blame you. I really <laughs> do. I'll accept the blame. That's fine. It's good. Um, what can you tell us? You tell us a little bit about uh, the podcast and where they can find you. Oh, yeah, you can find me at uh, WDW. See, I even have trouble saying that. There's too many W's. <laughs> it's WDWNT Nerd Alert, and it's available 
at www.nt.com. Uh, Walt Disney World News Today is the number one leader in uh, Disney news and entertainment. Um, and I am honored to be a part of that group. Uh, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, and uh, iHeartRadio, and also on the Walt Disney World News Today site. Can I ask yeah. a question? Sure, go ahead. Are you friends with Mickey Mouse? Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I've, I've met him a lot of times. You go down uh, the pub for when he's off work. No, I, I think that I, I hung out with somebody that is, they called him a friend of Mickey, which means that they were Mickey Mouse at the park. Oh, you know, right. They're not, cool. they're not allowed okay. to say who they are, you know, so <laughs> they might say I'm a friend of Mickey, which means that they put on a Mickey Mouse head in a tuxedo and they're Mickey Mouse. So, yeah, I, I guess you can say I was friends with Mickey. Oh, <laughs> nice. Sweet. Excellent. Uh, and it's uh, for those that uh, know, know this podcast, I'm going to be repeating it again, but it was Joe's podcast that spurred us to do Rusted Joke. Um, it's all your fault, Joe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, we, that we do this, that we do this for our lovely, lovely listeners. But it's good because if you go on the website, you can go all the way back and find out what they, they liked about Rogue One and Force Awakens and stuff like this. You could just go back and if you're for your listening pleasure, that's you sorted for the rest of the year. You just go back and listen to them. Um, it's great. They've just had a change of, you just have one change um, in the, in the crew that you've got there uh, with Fedra coming in for Taylor. Yeah. Um, we've, we've had at least great. 10 yeah. different people on the show, but yeah, if you go back, you can see, we'll have a round table on specific movies. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we, we mostly push Marvel and star Wars since Disney owns all of them. So yeah. like, will there's a lot of Star Wars and Marvel movies. If you guys are interested in our take on it, and you know, oh, it's well worth it. We have good people on there. You know, yeah. I've been on it, so yeah, of course you do. That's true. You have great That's people true. on it. Excellent. If you want to know, what and the- you have people that know their stuff on it as well. Not like me. Yeah, <laughs> not like well, me. <laughs> I'm kind of with you there, you know, like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not the best that knows it. I'm kind of like the referee. I kind of, or the bus driver and I let, <laughs> and I just complain, you know, and. Oh, the quizzes yeah. are, the quizzes are, are a special, a special delight when you have yeah. the quiz between them. It's good. Um, anyway, yes, we've been on their podcast. So you can go and even listen to us. Um, and our lovely daughter, Amy, uh, who joined on the quiz mm. anyway. Um, right. Well, I'll go first, uh, and I'll say, well, we'll see you next time for either summer school, one crazy summer, or I don't know, maybe something completely different. Something random. Who knows? She'll watch the trailer to both of them and she'll go, well, oh, I don't like either of them. And then it'll have to be something else. Um, so who knows, but I'm going to say cheerio. Happy, happy trails. Yeah. Nice. Oh, and toodle pip from me. Okay. Bye. 